everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. This is Letterman Live brought to you by Roosters, which is still open in Columbus and around Ohio right now for your carry-out needs. Otherwise, uh, you need to be at home like the four of us are, scattered around uh, for a very unique Brady Bunch-style uh, Letterman Live, talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes in the midst of this shutdown. We're going to keep doing it, uh, like always, and attack and dominate. Down there, uh, he's in the bottom left corner for me. That's, that's Anthony Schlegel. Let's go. The difference. Uh, Ohio State linebacker, he's the attacker and dominator. No mac and cheese bites again, Schlage. Sorry, we can't do it. We're going to get them for you soon enough. Jeremy Birmingham, Spencer Holbrook of Letterman Row also here. Uh, guys, welcome in. Hope you're all doing okay. Uh, and Schlage, oh, yeah. looks like you had a good weekend with the family. I had a great weekend with the family. Just uh, the whole quarantine thing. And, you know, we have an opportunity. I actually did a video for a high school uh, that they're getting some pads. And the beauty of what I do is it's just me. So I could be at my shop, which I am right now, or I could be at the farm. There's nobody there. Cause I'm the only guy. So we took the family down and it was a great learning experience for my children because I introduced them to shotguns and how to shoot clay pigeons. Right. Yeah. And then we were shooting our bows and there are certain things as the adult and somebody that knows what they're doing in the outdoors to teach these life lessons about being downrange, understanding your surroundings, being aware of other people and what they could potentially do. And one time my 13 year old dropped his bow right on the ground. It wasn't a fall, a long fall, but it was a drop versus, Oh, I set it down. I'm like, no, I watched you drop your bow and then he came back and shot it and completely missed the target. I'm like, that's because there's mud on your site and it moved it to the left, which is why you're missing to the left. And it's because you dropped it. Right. And these, these lessons of there's only one shotgun shell in the gun at a time because I'm running the entire show. Cause I don't trust you guys. And with obedience to me and what I'm teaching you, then the trust follows, right? So it was great, but they had a blast, and they want to do it again. So guess what we're going to do again? Shoot clay pigeons because there's nothing else to do. So we might, as well, we might as well shoot some stuff and hang out and grill out and cut wood and train our face off and hydrate. Bam. <laughs> hunger, if the Hunger Games kicks off, I know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah come on down. They look like you're having to throw the clay pigeons for yourself. Well, they couldn't. You know, they couldn't really throw it because it was like a handheld flinger, right? And it's just like – it's like a wrist shot in hockey. It's just boom, you just flick it, and it goes, and they really couldn't do it. And when I was throwing those for them, they would get out too fast. So I was literally throwing them up for them to get started. And then so they're like, you can't do this by yourself, Dad. I'm like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. I was like, <laughs> film this. <laughs> First time, Bam. Done. I can't believe he did that. I can't. Attack and dominate. Uh, all gas, no breaks. Berm, what would you do with your quarantine weekend? Uh, I, I worked. Um, I slept. I uh, did good. some more work. Um, hung out with the wife and played some video games and uh, enjoyed some Tiger King on Netflix, which was fantastic. Okay, haven't seen if you're into If you're into strange documentaries about guys and girls around the country who own big cat rescues, that's the documentary for you. Perfect recommendation. <laughs> Save that for our, our other podcast. Um, it's a wild time, that's all I'm saying. If you haven't watched cats. it. No, that's it's a cool. wild. It's, dude, it's wild. Like, the, the people that are running these things, their lives are, like, more insane than you could ever imagine. It, it was just absolutely 
a sky like a rocket ship of insanity from what these <laughs> people what, what these people are doing in their lives. And Spencer, I know you picked up some roosters the other day for your weekend. How are everything? How's everything going uh, with that cat quarantine situation? Uh, it's going pretty well. We get accustomed to having another member of the family in the apartment, but uh, I think everything's going pretty smoothly. Have you been scratched yet? I have not. No, I will not speak for my girlfriend, and I will not throw her into the bus, but I think she's got some scratches on her hands, but I don't. Okay, we'll, we'll save that for the Road Beers podcast, which debuted last week. This is Letterman <laughs> Live, brought to you by Roosters, and the big, the big move, we talked about it, uh, could be coming last week with Trey Sermon, the Oklahoma graduate transfer. He is on the way to Ohio State. He talked to Letterman Row yesterday about his decision, and we've, we've been talking about the running backs over and over and over, Schlegs, but... You know, Master Teague goes down, and then Ryan Day jumps right into the transfer portal, gets a guy with 25 career touchdowns uh, for a major program that has a lot in common uh, competitively with Ohio State, getting to the college football playoff. This this move, how did it strike you when you found out about it, Schlegs? How, how significant could this be? I thought it was a great move, one, because – you know, you only have a certain amount of guys in the room, right? And some of them are injured, and we don't know what they can do. And now you have a proven commodity uh, in Trey. So, one, being a grad transfer, older guy, right? Very similar to um, Justin coming in, guys that, you know, Jonah Jackson that transferred in. They got to come over and win the room. The, the biggest the difference is the fact that he doesn't have spring ball to come into or, you know, summer conditioning because we don't even know when that's going to happen. So whenever he does step on campus, it's going to have to be immediate, you know, flip the switch and go full tilt because he has to show everybody what he's about and he has an opportunity here. And he saw that, right? He saw it's like, hey, listen, look at what these guys have done, putting NFL talent in. I believe that I am one. I want to add value to this team that is going places, right? Though they lost some key players, they have the number one player back, which is always the quarterback position. And you have Coach Day and that offense, right? and Tony, um, Tony Alford as your position coach. So, you know, and the, the other thing, too, is I know that Tony will be able to handle this room, right? So you have a guy coming in expecting to have the starting job, right, in Trey. I've been there and done that. Then you have Master T and the running backs that are already in the room. Tony's the type of guy that can manage that, and we see, we've seen how he did that with um, – uh, J.K. and Mike Weber, yeah. right? So is it splitting carries? It doesn't matter because we don't know. We don't even know when they're going to get back. But when you get when you get into the building, guess what? All gas, no brakes. And Tony will be able to sift that room. And it just is. It just adds value to uh, our offense, right? Coming in. Yeah, Burn, this keeps coming up too. With when we were on the road uh, talking talking to Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor, and you know, these high school running backs seem more. Uh, open to the idea of sharing carries and splitting the workload to try and get to the NFL. Like, you know, as Schlegs is talking about right there, we don't know what yeah. Trace Sermon's workload is going to be like, but I don't think it's going to be what J.K. Dobbins had last year. It's probably – I think maybe Ohio State wants to do something more like Dobbins and Weber, and for whatever, you know, reasons happened two years ago, it didn't quite work out as well as Ohio State wanted. But that seems to be more what Ryan Day and maybe Tony Alford envisioned. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can get one running back to get 2,000 yards on 250 carries, by all means, do it. You know what I mean? But a lot of these kids are a lot more savvy than they used to be, and what they don't want to do is come into college and be required to carry the ball 400 times a year for three years. Like, that that's a, a, a body beater for the NFL, and 
with the kids that are going to places like Ohio State, Oklahoma, et cetera, they're, they're going there because they think they're going to get the, the next step. And so you do that by keeping your body fresh, especially at running back, which has such a short shelf life as it is. Um, and and it certainly there's no impact on, on – let me just backtrack here. For the people that wonder, like, just Trey Sermon – coming to Ohio State impact recruiting obviously it does not he's a one-year guy it's not going to matter for the class of 2021 um but yeah it is a sign of what what people want to do I think more more than they used to because they know they got to take care of their bodies a little bit different and certainly for Ohio State to have uh to have Trey Sermon along with Marcus Crowley or uh Steel Chambers or if Master T comes back I think the the goal is to use them all. It's not a situation where Ohio State wants to bring in Trey Sermon and have him be the only running back. Schlegs, if you were coaching, I I know if Beanie Wells was on here, he would say you've got to let a running back get 30 carries and build a rhythm. Like if you were coaching and and leading a backfield, how would you want to build it? Do you, do you prefer having that one guy you can rely on or it's this new age uh, backfield by committee an approach that you can get behind? Well, you know, here's the thing. I think it goes back to the culture of Ohio State, which is competitive excellence. And when called upon, you have to respond right away, right? So there is no more getting in the groove, right? And we kind of saw that a little bit last year where, you know, they would try to give JK a blow and Master Teague would come in and he would do really well and they would roll with him for a couple series. And then there was games toward the end of the season when he would come in and it would not be able to roll, right? Like you saw at the linebacker position, there's – there's not a lot of leeway to get guys into the groove. I know personally, I always felt like it took me two series to really get going in the beginning of the game, right? But guess why, what? Why is that? Well, it was just one. It was looking at everything that I digested in the film room and then what is actually happening in real time on the field, right? So, and then you're also feeling out, you can watch guards and centers all day and check out their splits and the depths of running back. And it might actually look a little bit different when you get on the field. So it's just kind of discerning what they're, what they're doing and all the preparation and going through your reads, alignment, assignment, alerts, and adjustments, taking that, digesting that, and now being able to execute probably around the third series, right? So it, t- it does take a little bit of time, but when you're, now in the competitive environment, especially of the schools like Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, and you have all this abundance of talent, that is kind of – you don't have that anymore because they want to put the hot guy in there, right? Whoever can adjust and be adaptable the fastest is the guy that they're playing. And so when you look at this, last year I thought we had a really great balance between J.K. and his – shiftiness and his vision and the, the ability to see the hole and explode. And then you had a very straight line runner in Master T. They kind of complemented each other because they were different. And I kind of see this being the same way as if Master T is more of that thumper and Trey Sermon is more of the shifty athletic guy and being able to use him out of the backfield and such, like they're, there's going to be a, a combination along with what Crowley and Chambers could potentially do. And we don't know that because we never got to see him in spring ball. Right. So this kind of goes into the one thing that I've discussed a lot with a lot of student athletes, high school, college, and pros is whatever they do now is separating them from their competition when it's go time and they start conditioning or or maybe fall camp, right? In the NFL, they're probably not going to have OTAs anymore. So guys have to be in shape, ready to go, 
already having prepared their uh, play, you know, having already studied their playbooks, ready to execute day one, because guess what? Jobs are on the line immediately. You know, that, so that's, that's what I think makes Trey Sermon such an, a good fit for Ohio State, because yes. there's a ton of good running backs around the country that Ohio State could have added via the transfer portal. But to go out, out and find a guy from a, one of the country's elite programs, one of the very few programs in the country that operates at the same level Ohio State does, at least, you know, you're not worrying about a guy coming in and not knowing what it takes to succeed there. And because that adjustment from a mid-major program to a place like Ohio State is so large that you need more time just to figure out, well, what the hell do I have to do to, to, to get through the day here? Um, I think having a player from a, a place like Oklahoma makes a big difference because you don't have to worry about that learning curve uh, as much as you would otherwise. Great point, Berm, because the guy just played in the national in the, the college football playoff last year, right? I mean, he already has a lot of the experiences that our guys did. That's a great point. Yeah, and, and nobody watches more college football than Spencer. So Trey Sermon, when he's healthy, he's coming off that uh, LCL injury. He talked about that with me. Uh, he's not going to be fully cleared for another month, but that's a, a month ahead of schedule. When this guy was healthy, Spencer, what kind of back? Why is he a good fit? I mean, we know he's got 2,000 yards and 25 touchdowns, but in your mind, as you pencil him into the Ohio State lineup, you know, what, what do you remember about watching this guy? Well, I think he's shifty, but at the same time, like I just every time I hear his name, the one play sticks in my head from the Rose Bowl when DeAndre Baker went low on him and he just got his pad level low and just ran DeAndre Baker over. DeAndre Baker was the first second round cornerback in the NFL draft. That guy was a physical, good athletic cornerback. And Trey Sermon made him look like a like a high school football player in that moment. He just ran him over. And so you're getting a guy who's shifty enough to make a, a one cut like like not like JK could do, but like a good division one running back can, but he's also physical enough to take on anybody who comes at him and tries to meet him in the hole. He's physical enough to shed a tackle and get to the next level uh, and ultimately, you know, spring one loose. And that's what Ohio State's offense does. You know, J.K. Dobbins was patient enough to where he would get five yards, then get six yards, and then he would go for a 65-yard touchdown run against <laughs> and that's the kind of runner that I think Trey Sermon is, where he can make one cut and then be physical enough to get off a, 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 a tackle and get to the next level. I think that's the part of this conversation that's a little bit, you know, difficult to wrap your mind around because, you know, Berm just casually dropped that in there. Like, if you can get uh, 2,000 yards out of a guy, you do it. Well, that's only happened once in school history. I, I know what you were saying, Berm, but it's like J.K. Dobbins was a very special back. And no matter what happened, whether Master Teague stayed healthy through the spring, if there was no coronavirus, if Marcus Crowley had been able to, you know, didn't get hurt last November and he got to participate, this was going to be hard to find a replacement for J.K. Dobbins no matter what. I mean, the guy, Flags, was truly a special running back and he had the most productive year in Ohio State history, which is really a mouthful. Yeah, you know, and with Trey coming in, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, one, and that's what we like, right? Coach Mick talks about it all the time. If if you have nothing to prove, you'll never improve, right? So coming off an MCL, which I had, but you can do it, right? And you could be – that was my senior year. I, I was coming off it in my junior year where I played six games with a torn MCL. And then your senior year, yeah, guess what? When you're healthy, you can come back and play at a high level. So he has that. He has something to prove. Yeah, he understands his opportunity. Should he want to go to the next level, Ohio State's the best – place that you could possibly do that and guess what you got to go compete against guys that already know that already know the offense but we're also starting at like a level playing field here because of 
what the coronavirus has done to the landscape of college football. Everybody's going to be coming in at the same point, not having trained with Coach Mick, not having gone through spring football. So you have to start now that you're officially an Ohio State Buckeye, getting into the playbook, talking to your coaches, talking to your teammates, developing that relationship socially at a distance, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that when you come in day one, you're ready to compete at a high level to potentially earn an opportunity to play at Ohio State. It's kind of crazy how when you're talking about this training and getting ready to go in the summer and maybe maybe Ohio State and college football, they'll get two weeks back before training camp. Maybe they'll get, you know, something in July. We don't, we really don't know what's going to happen there, but they can't work out in the Woody. They're not going to have that time with Mick and in all likelihood, like everything is shut down since we talked a week ago about what you could do. Like you're not going to go to Planet Fitness right now. Like you're in your basement. I know you've got a huge setup there, but a lot of these guys. You can't, you can't come to my shop either. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's quarantined. You so know, like how, how would, if you were talking with coach Mick and he's trying to formulate this plan and tell them what to do and they don't have all, they don't have the striking machines that they can work on or they don't have the full weight room. Like how, how are these guys going to get workouts to actually be ready to play football? Like how can they survive? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, the funny thing is, like, I've actually sold some striking machines to NFL guys because they want to work on hitting stuff, you know, and that's not that's not really something that's conducive to college athletes. But, you know, what they're doing is they're basically sending them kits. And if you think about the landscape of college football, guess what colleges aren't doing right now to their athletes? They're not feeding them, right? There's all that money that they're not using to feed people. Right. right, or potentially buy equipment for the weight room that they need for spring football. So there's other avenues that you can, you know, help purchase things and give to them in, you know, in compliance, right? Uh, whether it's a TRX, you know, system, right, that they can do body weight things. I mean, people forget, man, calisthenics. Look at, um, oh, dadgum, what's his name? Herschel Walker. Remember Herschel Walker? Right. His routine was like he did a thousand push-ups and a thousand sit-ups. <clears throat> and I was, I was reading a thing today about Ric Flair and, and how he did 500 body weight squats. Like there is value in just going out and doing that. Now it's completely different uh, training system than what we're normally doing in the weight room, which is very anaerobic power-based stuff, but you can still get it in, right? You've seen this push-up challenge where people are just doing push-ups and like tagging people. Great, do push-ups, but push-ups and sit-ups and bands and squats. Like I took my kids to the farm. We got like a slight incline on the front yard. Guess what they were doing? They were running hills, right? Upward sprints. And they were basically running 60 yards, jogging back. And by the time they ran it and got back, I gave them a 45 second break. Once they got to the top, they came back down, and we did that eight times. Then we had some bands, and we did agility ladders, and we painted some dots on the concrete. Your kids are working <laughs> on more than the Buckeyes are right now, Schlage. No, but here's the thing, though. I <laughs> One, knowing Coach Mick and knowing that staff, which you have Kenny Parker, who was a former head, co- uh, head strength coach, also coached at Ohio State before he went to Rutgers. Like, they already have the daily plan with their student athletes. And then what they do is, hey, FaceTime me or show me a video of what you've done, right? Great, because you can still work on running mechanics. Guys can film each other. Uh, and then they have the dialogue with their coaches. So, so then you get that the whole thing they do at Ohio State, the power of the unit. Hey, guys, we're going to do a, a Facebook Live or, you know, a FaceTime meeting, and, and here's how we're going to work out. I'm going to do 
do 20 push-ups, you do 20 push-ups. That's my rest. Like there's all these things. The Juarez Valley, uh, it's like a, a thing where you do 20 push-ups, you walk eight feet, walk back, you do one. Then you walk eight feet, walk back, you do 19. And you do all that all the way down to where you do 11 and 10. That will blow you out upper body-wise. You know what I'm saying? So there's all these different things that you can do to be creative and do it without weight equipment. And so that's what they have to do, but they have to bring in the the social interaction of accountability to one another, because at the end of the day, how they handle their response, we talked about E plus R equals O on here, but I talk about it because it's in the Woody, but how they handle this event, how they respond to that with above the line thinking is ultimately going to determine the outcome that they want, which is when they come back day one, they're at least in shape to participate in football, period. Was that a, a prison workout that we just got uh, a glimpse at? Yeah, well, it's, my, it's one of my favorites. The okay. water, there's so many different things. Like I'll deadlift 405, the Juarez Valley 8, where you do 8, then 1, 7, then 2, 6, and 3, 5, and 4. Or you could do it with squats. Like it will, I mean, it will, it will crush you. It will crush you. I'm thirsty just listening to it. Meanwhile, all I can I think about so. is all I can think about is going to get uh, some roosters since we're it's a Monday and listen, we're not able to do that. Listen, next time life. we go to roosters, I'm going to do the Juarez Valley Eight with mac and cheese bites. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do eight, and then I'll do eight one. Baskets. And uh, no, no, just individual ones now. Like you got to have a, you know, I can't do baskets now. I can yeah. do. I at the end, I probably would have done four baskets. Yeah. You know, but hey, let's go. At least you, you, don't, you need only to believe if you wish to achieve. That, <laughs> that is correct. Uh, this is Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. This is uh, uh, an unusual one. We're trying out this uh, Zoom equipment. Hopefully all, there's not uh, too many technical difficulties to complain about. We did get uh, a question the other day on Twitter that somebody wanted me to ask you guys and, and bounce it around. And, and that was if – you look at spring camp and it's, it's not going to start up again. It's over after three workouts for the Buckeyes. The question was which position unit needed that spring the most who, so in other words, who lost uh, the most opportunities with those 12 workouts Uh, Spencer, as you look at it, I know it's kind of a a difficult question to, to tackle or wrap your mind around, but I mean, for me, everyone was watching the secondary and we can dive into that as we go, but who do you think lost the most there, Spencer? Well, the obvious answer is the secondary, but I'll go with the offensive line because they were so good last year at blocking for J.K. Dobbins to get to that 2,000-yard mark and for Justin Fields to stay relatively healthy for the beating that he took for most of the season. You had to replace two guys, one of them on the interior, one of them on the outside, and one of them was, could potentially be a freshman. And the other one has never played meaningful, meaningful downs in college football, Harry Miller on the inside. If you have Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis, you know what you're getting with them you got to get Harry Miller acclimated to playing alongside those guys. And I think the offensive line lost out on a lot of uh, reps. I think that's a group that needs to be as cohesive as possible. I think they're one of the ones who benefit the most from having these 15 practices in the spring because you get a sense of who, you know, who can do it without the pads on and, and who can translate that. And if you don't have that, I just think that offensive line loses out a lot on a lot. I think that might make Schlegs a little happy to hear that rather than hearing about the secondary. <laughs> you know, well uh... – with those striking machines to good use. Yeah, no doubt. Well, with the um, – looking at this, I was thinking, one, obviously they had the lack of depth at the running back position, so that, that definitely wasn't one. Um, 
but you wanted to see some of the young guys that were able to participate, what they could do because it would set them up for success, right? Because they had an opportunity, right? Guys are out. Then you look at, you know, a, an easy answer would be all those young wide receivers coming in, but we have, you have Olave and you have, you know, some other guys that have already been there and kind of done that and getting on the same page uh, with Justin Fields. And then you talked about the offensive line, but still you have a coach that's been there, right, and Coach Stud, and you have some veteran guys that have already been established and understand the playbook and I think are ready to go because they got meaningful reps last year. So to me, it still goes back to the secondary. One, because you have a brand-new coach. Guys learning the dynamic of how Coach Combs uh, operates, right? And and the lack of depth of really knowing who your guys are going to be, they needed that versus our wide receivers, right? So good on good, it was kind of that wide receiver DB group of as to learning who you can count on. So I would say one would be DBs, and then 1A would be wide receivers for Brian Hartline to really understand who he has to work with and how he's going to handle that rotation. But number one for Kerry Combs to say, hey, who are my four or five or six best guys? I don't know. So that, that's the one group to me that, that really hurts from the lack of spring football. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, th- that's that's obviously true. You can see the need in the secondary. I'm going to go a little different direction. And uh, depth-wise, the defensive line is still as good as any position group in the country. But when you lose Jayshon Cornell and Devon Hamilton and Robert Landers and Chase Young, um, you lose a ton of veteran leadership on a group that is going to be forced to basically start fresh with, with new guys stepping up and being leaders. Um, Obviously, getting Jonathan Cooper back helps a tremendous amount in that respect. But I think that this spring was most important for guys like Tyler, uh, Tyreek Smith um, and, and Haskell Garrett, who were in a position to finally step up and not just live up to uh, lofty recruiting rankings, but those guys now had to be the leaders of the group. And I think when you're talking about Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent and Tommy Togiai stepping in and taking over for the kind of the quiet leadership of the defense in Devon Hamilton and Robert Landers, and then you have Zach Harrison who's needing to elevate into that next level to replace a guy like Chase Young, um, to me it's the defensive line because there's just a ton of talent, but it's a, it's very unproven uh, and – it's a, it's a leadership vacuum on a defense that obviously is replacing a ton of guys and, as, as Slags alluded to, has a new defensive coordinator. And I think it would have been a really important spring for somebody in that group to step up and become, like, the next leader of the defense since it's a defense that lost Jordan Fuller and Jeff Okuda and Chase Young and all these other guys, Malik Harrison, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But both great points, and I think it's because, like Spence talked, Spencer talked about the O line, and Bernie talked about the D line, and it's the ability to go against each other that makes them better, right? Because we we talked to, um, oh, who were you talking about? Um, I don't know, I forget now. Mac and cheese but, bites. Yeah, mac and cheese bites. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do like five baskets. But it was just the ability for guys to go against one another, good on good. So you can see, man, this guy really performs at a high level. This guy doesn't. This guy has some things he needs to improve upon. It was, it was, Brandon, Bo- it was Brandon Bowen telling yeah, us Brandon, that. Brandon, that's what he was talking about. He, he went against Chase Young every single time, the very best player in college football, right, which made him better. And he got to see what he needed to work on. All of the position groups, the one thing that we've lost is what do I need to work on, 
right? Because it's not there. And the only way that you can see that is by playing football. And so that's why all the groups that we talked about, the DBs and the young wide receivers, the D-line and the O-line, it was 100% the ability to compete against one another, one, to see where we are going into fall camp, but two, to see what we need to work on come May, June, and July. So that when we get to fall camp, I've at least improved upon those to set myself up. And then, Berm, you mentioned the other aspect, which is critical. It's the leadership aspect. The cool thing is they all have an opportunity of being a leader right now, one, by being a lead in the classroom. You got to handle your business right now. I'm, I just did a virtual class today in the leadership class that I teach um, with Charles Buchanan that Coach Meyer used to do. Where there's 144 participants. So you got to go be elite in the classroom right now. Guys got to get on the phone and talk to each other. Make sure you're going to class, you know, virtually and Zoom, right? So you got to take care of that business too. You got to be a leader and say, hey, here's what I'm doing today to work on my pass rush. Or here are the drills that Coach Johnson gave out to all of us. Who did that today? Oh, here's my video of what I did. Critique me, critique each other. That's how this leadership is have to, has to be built during this quarantine time. Yeah, I think it's just so so fascinating because what you're talking about is is 85 guys that have been used to being told what to do every minute of the day for the last umpteen days, right? The last three years of their life, or if they're in college, Jonathan Cooper for four years. And now they have this opportunity to be kind of by themselves and put in a position where they have to do it on their own. Um, and Slags mentioned the above the line thinking, which is like a, a leadership technique above and below the line. And it's fascinating just to see how that changes because you don't have the coaches calling and checking on you to see, Hey, did this person make it to class today? Hey, did this happen? And now the, it's on these guys to do it themselves. And for a 14 early enrolled freshmen who had just gotten themselves um, into the pattern and the routine of being a college student to now go back home and be sitting there waiting. Uh, I think it's very interesting to see how that translates to um, their emotional and, and mental maturity when they get back on campus, because these guys are in a position where they have to be men handling their business um, in a world that doesn't always uh, make you be a man when you have, a support staff that takes care of every single thing for you all the time, all the time. That, that's a great point. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, this is so, um, what's the word I want to look for? It's so critical why Ohio state always talks about culture over talent and why they invest so much time, energy and effort and resources into teaching the culture and implementing it for our student athletes, right? Because one thing that we talked about all the time in this leadership class is adaptability. A lot of times we like to think that adaptability is something that happens over a long period of time. Well, we realize in a very short time frame, we've all had to adapt, right? We had to adapt this show to where we're, now we're on Zoom and how do we offer a really good product with content? These guys, guess what? School's over. Yeah, you can still go to the Woody. All right, no more Woody. Now you're gonna be doing take, you have take home, workouts okay you have to be able to be adaptable but yet the culture is strong and we have prepared you and taught you that elite level routine so that now when called upon to do it yourself you can I as a dad right now I had to go back and 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 
kind of reevaluate self-introspect the culture of my family unit, right? Because I'm looking at this from my wife who works at home. I can work in my shop because I'm the only person here. You know what I'm saying? I'm quarantined as it is, right? I'm just listening to Sirius XM and making machines. But it's the fact that I'm looking at my kids and I'm like, hey, listen, your technology has become an idol for you during this time because we're stuck in the house. You can't play with friends. Well, guess what? That is over. As soon as I get home today, I, I try to say, you know what? I want to give you guys some autonomy and build your own schedule. Guess what? That nope. is gone. Based on what my wife told me today. So dad's routine and plan for what they're going to do on a daily basis is going to be what the plan is. And then I, as the parent and my wife say, you know what, when they go to school and they're learning, they're working at it. Guess what? I'm not going to be working. I'm going to be investing in them in their school and what they're doing. And then when they have some freedom, Hey, guess what? You're not going on electronic at noon. You wouldn't be doing that during school. So you're going to go hit baseballs and you're going to do some push-ups, and you're going to make sure you eat lunch and hydrate your face off. And guess what? Then we're going to go back. And if you already did your homework in the first two hours, you're going to read a freaking book. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I mean, believe me, we, we are, we're in very similar conversations. And a last point I want to make on it is every great business in the world has their core values and every single great business in the world has integrity as one of those core values, right? Which is, what are you doing when the chips are down? What are you doing when no one is watching? What are you doing um, to, to be better for your team and for yourself? And so when it comes to these guys who are at home um, for the first time, having all this free time, integrity means doing what things you have to do so that when things get back to normal, they're going to be not missing a beat. So I, I think it's just, it's, it's very telling when it comes to the, the, the program where Ohio State has built it. Um, and we'll see now in the next few months if that's just all fluff or if it's, if it's real. Oh, man. You, you know what? What a great proving ground for what you do as a staff, as a head football coach. The identity of your program will be come fall when we're back to playing football. Let's, let's pray that that happens, right, because we need it, right? But to say – our guys as teammates were selfless. They were humble. They were disciplined. They were driven, right? And guess what? The product that's on the field of what Ohio State football is didn't miss a beat, though we had all these other circumstances that we couldn't control, but we controlled the controllable, which was us and what we did. I can't wait to watch that. And I truly believe with the staff and the players that they've assembled, I think they're setting themselves up to, to have a, a very successful season. Yeah, let's not put that idea out there in the world, Schlegs, that college football might not be back. We're, I'm, gonna keep <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> hey, if everybody just does what everybody tells us to do and just stop, stop touching people, yeah. you know, and, and congregating, I think we're going to be okay. Do it to save football more than anything else. we got to have that back for every walk of life, uh, but especially uh, at Letterman, Letterman Rose, so we can keep doing Letterman Live. Brought to you by Roosters. We're going to call it uh, a Zoom here. That's been Spencer Holbrook, Jeremy Birmingham, and Anthony Schlegel. I am Austin Ward. we got a lot more content. We're not going to, we're not going to slow down. All gas, no brakes here. And then we're going to do the best we can. I'm going to try and figure out why my shirt keeps getting fuzzy on this feed and get this, uh, these technical difficulties <laughs> working out as we get going here. We appreciate you joining us here. We will see you right back here next week.